Hey, I, I, I hope that uh, you're not taking things for granted. I'm not sure that the Lord's going to drop your washer on your front yard, but uh, you never know uh, what's going to happen. Okay, nobody, that's fine. Um, but uh, we, are, we are grateful to be in this month focusing and thinking about gratitude. You know, last month, we issued, last month, last week, uh, I know how many of you last week felt like a month? Oh, yes, amen. The Lord is good. Um, he will see us through. But last week, uh, we issued you a challenge to share with us a testimony uh, of something that the Lord had seen you through, something that God had done in your life. Uh, you can find that link on the church app. Uh, you can find it on social media. And uh, just give you an opportunity to share. Just be grateful to the Lord for something that he's done for you. Thank you for you guys that did that last week. That is still available now. But this week, we have a new challenge for you, and that is to write a thank you note to somebody. And it's, uh, it's, you can't get out of it with a text. You can't get out of it with an email. You, you know, we're asking you actually pen to paper, even if you've got horrible handwriting, that's part of the, the, the beauty of it, uh, but to write a thank you note to somebody in your life and, and to send that to them. And so on your way out this morning, we're going to give you the thank you note as a way of just removing one of your excuses. And uh, we can't remove them all or, you know, whatever. We can't write it for you. But um, that way you can have that note and uh, write that note to somebody this week. That's your challenge uh, for this week. And uh, we are in these three weeks of gratitude because we believe that gratitude can completely and absolutely transform your life. It can transform your relationship with God uh, when you recognize all of his blessings. And, and, I mean, you think about it from God's perspective, I mean, and you think about it from our perspective. I mean, do you think that rehearsing your your blessings from God is going to strengthen your tie to him and your praise for him when you recognize all of your blessings? It's going to strengthen your relationship with God. It's going to strengthen you internally. It's going to strengthen you mentally. And your mental health will be strengthened through gratitude. I mean, doesn't it make sense that if you're just sitting around thinking about all the negative things that are wrong, that you wish were different, that you're going to be discouraged. But if you mix into that, I'm not even saying just take all that away, but mix into that the things and blessings that you have in your life, the things that you have to be grateful for, doesn't it make sense that internally you're going to be a little happier if you're thinking about all of the ways that God has blessed you and the things that have gone well? It's going to transform your relationship. Look, I'm making promises up here, people. It's going to transform your relationship with others, right? We all know somebody, and the scary thing is that we might be somebody that you don't want to be around because all they do is gripe. It's like you see them coming, you hear them coming, you're like, what's his problem this time, right? What's wrong with her now? We're going to hear about it. You don't want to be that person, right? You don't want to see that person. You don't want to be that person. What What transforms us? Gratitude. When we begin to recognize the good things in our lives and to rehearse those, it changes our relationships with people. Don't you want to be around somebody that's always telling you how thankful they are and grateful and appreciative for the things you're doing versus somebody that's griping about it? So we believe so strongly that gratitude can transform our lives. And that's why God says throughout the scriptures and over and over, be thankful, give thanks. You ought to have gratitude. But gratitude is not something that we can just decide to have. I can't just all of a sudden say, you know what, pastor's right. I need to be grateful, and I'm going to be grateful. Because you've tried things like that before, right? And what happens? Two or three days, you make it. You're like grateful, you're appreciative. As soon as something bad happens, as soon as you get distracted, what happens? Gratitude or whatever it is goes out the door and you're right back to where you were until the next time I talk about it and you feel guilty, right? Like, oh, I meant to do that, I tried to do that. Well, the thing is, I can't turn it on or off. 
There are muscles of gratitude that I have to strengthen those muscles if I'm going to actually walk in gratitude. And we talked about the first one of those last week, and that is being observant of all of the things that have gone right, of all of the good things in every situation of your life. We said last week, you are primed to walk into every situation and see the negative. First of all, your flesh wants to see the negative. You know, when you were born, you, 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 know, you saw the negative. You were crying in the crib, right, because you were hungry or you were cold or whatever. Well, a lot of times that hasn't changed. And you're walking through life, and we're walking through life, and we only see the negative, right? And we're primed. Ads are all about negative things, the things that you're missing. Um, and you walk into a situation, and you just see the negative. But what did we say last week? We've got to be conscious of doing that. Ask the Holy Spirit to help us so that we can grow this muscle so that when I walk into a situation that I don't just see all the negative things, even though I'm primed to, even though I'm ready to. My flesh is ready to see the negative things. I'm primed to see all the negative things. But instead, I'm saying, by the power of the Holy Spirit, by the grace of God, by my submission to him, I'm going to see the positive in this situation. I'm going to walk in and I'm going to observe everything that is right, not just everything that's wrong. Yes? Okay. Now this morning we need to talk about the second muscle that we need to grow if we're going to walk in gratitude, and that is the muscle of humility. And humility is not a, a super fun topic uh, because the opposite of humility is, is to be proud, right? And I guarantee you if I asked you, uh, you know, hey, are you, are you proud, right, you would respond by going, me? Not me. I, why would you even think that? To be honest with you, that's a response of a proud person, <laughs> right? Uh, like, and so it's hard to even talk about pride. It's hard to see pride and humility in the mirror, right? I can't see it. I, 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 not a lot of us look in the mirror and say, oh, I, you know, I'm, I'm the most humble person in the world, right? Well, that's not how it works. <laughs> not a lot of us look in the mirror and say, oh, well, I'm proud. And yeah, that's not how it works, right? But humility has a huge impact and walks hand in hand with gratitude. Because, you see, if you're walking into every situation and you think that you're the center of the universe, right? And, and, and again, you are, you are programmed for this. Your flesh, right, uh, is programmed to think, hey, I'm the center of the universe. So you walk into that situation and you're thinking, I'm the center of the universe. You're probably not going to, you're going to have a real hard time seeing how anybody else has been kind or how God has blessed you because you're just concerned about you and you just think that you're the end all be all. And, the center, and so you're already like, man, why did we come today, right? Because this is the path to maturity. The path to maturity in Christ is seeing how does my thinking need to change? How do I need to become the person that Jesus wants me to be? And that path leads through gratitude and it leads through humility as an essential part of being grateful. Because when I realize that I'm not the center of the universe, it frees me to be grateful for everyone around me who's blessing me and doing kind things. It frees me to be grateful to God for all of the things that he's done in me, not just the negatives that I wish were different. Now, it's interesting because some of you are already thinking about people that you wish were here today to hear this, aren't you? It's a, oh, it's a funny little defense mechanism that we've got, right? It's a funny little defense mechanism that says, well, I'm not proud. I wish such and such was here because they need this, uh, right? But I don't need it. The truth is we all need this. Because we're all born with, with a, a flesh uh, that, that, comes, that is there first and stronger than our, than our newborn spirit in Christ. And it's telling us your needs need to go first. And, and God says there's another way to look at it. And so in order for us to get there, I need to read for you the whole Bible. 
and we do this just on occasion. And uh, okay, and, and, and so you'll forgive me. It's actually only about 12 verses, but it is from all, from all throughout the Bible. And, and I do this specifically because I want you to see a theme that runs throughout the Bible, that this is not just something that is in one place, but wow, this is part of something that's in the whole of Scripture. But as I read these verses, I'm going to read you just single verses from passages, okay? You should never go to a church that does that. You shouldn't listen to, you should not listen to a pastor who has a single verse and, and, just, and just preaches from single, singular verses. And the reason is because I can pull a verse out of context and I can tell you anything I want to tell you. Uh, I, I am a Bible scholar, um, I, you know, not patting myself on the back. I'm just telling you I can manipulate you if I want to. Um, and other people can do that too. And so whenever you hear somebody saying, oh, here's one verse, you're, the red flag should go up. And you should say, well, what's the context of that verse? And I hope that as I read you these singular verses through here, you're just going to have to trust me for the next few minutes. But, I'm, hey, I'm telling you, so, you know, there's something. But um, my prayer is that you'll go home and you'll look on the message notes in the app and you'll look at these singular verses and you'll read the chapter that they're in and you'll contextualize it and you'll say, oh, Jason was right. Jason, Jason handled it well right? And uh, presented. I think these verses do a good job of standing on their alone, but, th- alone, uh, but that is a terrifying statement to make. But we want to begin with this cornerstone verse of our gratitude, uh, pass, uh, gratitude uh, series here, and that is from 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 18, and it says this, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Give thanks in all circumstances. Thank you, Lord. 2 Chronicles chapter 7 and verse 14, you know this verse. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and it will heal their land. Psalms 25 and verse 9, he guides the humble in what is right and teaches them his way. Proverbs 22, 4, humility is the fear of the Lord. Its wages are riches and honor and life. Micah chapter 6 and verse 8. He has shown you, O mortal, (laughs) what is good and what does the Lord require of you? To act justly and to love mercy and to walk humbly with our God. Luke 14 and 11, the words of Jesus. For all those who exalt themselves will be humbled and those who humble themselves will be exalted. Romans chapter 12 and verse 3. For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourselves more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourselves with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. But he gives us more grace. That is why the scripture says, I think we're in James right now. Yeah, James chapter 4. But he gives us more grace. That is why scripture says God opposes the proud but shows favor to the humble. Then in verse 10, humble yourselves before the Lord and he will lift you up. 1 Peter chapter 5, starting at verse 5, it says this, All of you, clothe yourselves with humility toward one another, because God opposes the proud but shows favor to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time. Let's pray together. Father, we rejoice in who you are. And in the instruction that you give us, God, we see from your scripture, God, as we read from these different places, Lord, that you're calling us to humble ourselves. And we pray, Lord, that you would teach us to do that. God, we acknowledge today that your ways are the best ways. And we want to follow after you. So, Lord, we need your spirit 
to light our path and to lead us, God. Lord, my words are feeble, but I pray that you would help us, God, to hear from your spirit and to be, be led by you. God, I'm thankful, and I ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. You know, the weird thing about humility is if you tell somebody that they need to be humble, so often what we hear is, well, I just need to let everybody walk all over me, right? And it's like, if I don't let everybody walk all over me, then I'm not pleasing Jesus. Like, if people aren't walking all over me, then Jesus is mad at me. But the truth is that that is a much too simple definition of humility. Actually, just letting people walk all over you is way easier than the actual truth. And uh, that's scary. But let me say it this way. Let's imagine that I'm out in the garage, okay, and I'm, uh, I'm cutting some boards, and, uh, and I uh, have, the, have the saw, and uh, I'm cutting the boards, and I cut off the two fingers on my left hand, right, because you got your right hand on the saw, and you cut off two fingers on your left hand. And I have artificial heart valves, and I'm on blood thinner, so, I mean, this thing just escalated quickly, all right? And right at that moment, Michelle, you know, I have my back to the garage door, and I'm, I'm sitting there with my hand in this moment, and Michelle sticks her head out the door and says, I'm thirsty. Can you get me a glass of water? Right there in that moment, right? What should I do? I mean, she's my wife. Uh, like the Corinthians tells me she owns my body. She commands my body. The, the Ephesians tells me I'm supposed to love her as Christ loved the church. So should I just like bleed out, like going to, oh, yes, honey, and just go get her water, right? Or should I in that moment say, uh, you know, very calmly, because, you know, that's just how I am. Um, <laughs> Say, darling, I, I, uh, I seem to have cut off a couple of my fingers. Um, would you mind, uh, as thirsty as you are, to uh, get me a tourniquet and uh, call 911, right? Like, what's happening in, in that moment? Like, what, this is a very, obviously, a very stark situation, but I mean, what does humility demand in that moment? I'm called to be humble, but in that moment, the Apostle Paul says, what do I do? In every situation, I use sober judgment. I come in. The Scriptures command me. I'm supposed to default to that my needs are the lowest needs, but does that mean that my needs are always the lowest needs? It does not. And I, in that situation, I can say, well, let's just practice. How many of you think I should get her the drink of water? <laughs> there was a lady in first service, I'm just saying, who, I'm not sure, I'm not sure about her anymore. Um, but right in that situation, I evaluate and I say, guess what? Right here in this specific incident, my needs are higher. My needs trump. My needs win. My needs are here. And instead, I have to recognize, all right, here's the, here's the hierarchy. Doesn't mean I'm getting walked over in this moment. But I've recognized. And the call to be humble is a call to, in every situation, I evaluate where my needs land in the situation. You see, when we walk into every situation, we have work to do. We have work to do. Gratitude stirred by the positives and humility, which ranks the needs with a bent towards ours being the lowest of the needs. And, and, and this is the thing that I think so often we miss about being a Christian. Sometimes, I, you know, we think, well, I'm a Christian because why? Because I pray to prayer and I'm going to heaven. And, and my goodness, I'm a really great Christian because I come to church on Sunday, right? But as a Christian, we're called to be a certain way. One of the things that he said, we, we read it, we talked about it last week, is we're supposed to be grateful. At all times, in all circumstances, we're supposed to be grateful. What does that look like? We talked about it last week. I walk into a situation and I evaluate the things I'm grateful for before anything else. I evaluate everything that's gone right as part of what it means to be like Jesus. The next thing that it means, he says, to walk in humility. That means I walk into every situation and I begin to evaluate the needs of that situation and see where mine rank. 
This is not our normal mode of operation, is it? I walk into a situation, I'm thinking about my problems and what's wrong and what I need to solve and what needs to change. I'm not being grateful. I'm walking in and, and I'm there. And so my needs are the top needs wherever I'm at, right? I might be kind to listen to you talk for just a minute about whatever you've got going on. But really where I'm trying to get to is my needs, right? But God says, no, that is not how we are as followers of Christ, As followers of Christ, if you want to be like Jesus, you walk into a situation and the first thing in your heart is gratitude. The first thing is recognizing the blessings. And as you're recognizing those blessings, I'm humbly evaluating the needs that are present. And I want to see where do my needs fit in this situation. And that's to be spirit-led. And, and I want to tell you, people would tell me, you know, Pastor, I can, I can pray for two or three minutes, five minutes, and then my mind wanders, I run out of things to pray about. How about this? In, your, in our quiet time with God, we say, how many situations did I approach with a godly mindset of gratitude and humility? Like to look back over your day, right? And, 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 and again, this might require you prayed before you're absolutely exhausted at night, or it might require you pray, you know, anyway, but that's a different sermon. Pastor Chris will preach it soon. Um, but to stop and think through the situations of your day and to think, how many times did I walk in and I, and I was grateful for what was happening? How many times did I walk into the situation and I was actually humble and evaluated the needs that, where I was present? How, did I, how, did I, how many times did I do that? And, and God can lead us and bring things to us and the Holy Spirit can, can convict us? And help make us into the people that God wants us to be. So if I, if I say, you know what, I want to be humble and I want to walk into a situation and I, and I want to evaluate those needs, how do I do it? How do I rank the needs in a situation? And, and I, I, this is me telling you what I think that the Bible says about this. The first thing that we need to do when we walk into a situation is ask the question, is there anyone here that does not know Jesus as the Lord and Savior of their life? Is there anyone here present in this situation that if they died, that they, they're going to be eternally separated from God? Because that is the most important thing in this world, is it not? It is certainly the most important thing to God. I don't know if any of you have ever had a little kid that got lost, right? And you've heard me tell the stories many times about Benjamin when he was little. Before he was seven foot tall, he was harder to keep up with. And we would lose him. And you can't, if you're a parent and you've lost a kid, you know, right, that you don't care about anything else. You don't care about anything else until your kid is found. And when you walk into a situation and you see, and you, you recognize that there's someone there that doesn't know Christ as their Savior, I want to tell you that that is God's top priority in that situation, is that person. And so when I walk into a situation and I recognize that, that should impact how I move forward. Now, does that mean, Pastor, are you telling me that I walk into you know, a restaurant, I look around, there's somebody obviously not saved, and so I just uh, evangelize them right there. I just, you know, I become the guy, the earth is ending, you're going to hell. No. But what I am saying is it should change your attitude about the situation. You should look for an opportunity to be kind. You should look for an opportunity to speak life and love. You should look, I mean, maybe there is an opportunity for you to tell them about Jesus, but most of the time there's not. Can we just be honest? But here's the thing. How many times over the last years has there maybe been an opportunity that you completely ignored? I want to tell you it's pride. It's pride that says, well, I'm going to walk into this situation and I'm not going to evaluate anything. I'm just going to think about my agenda and why I'm here to the point where I will walk by somebody who I know doesn't know Christ and I will never give it a second thought because I'm so blinded by my agenda. I will walk through my life continually saying to God that the things I care about are more important than your lost 
child. And, and, and you wonder why God says over and over that, that he opposes the proud. I mean, we set ourselves up against God by continually elevating our needs even above the most critical, vitally, eternally important things in the world. I, I want you to hear me. I'm not saying go in everywhere and start yelling at people that they're going to hell. Please don't do that. I'm saying it may change the way you speak. It may change the way you act. Just enough to have a positive influence on somebody. So that maybe you set up a time when you can invite them to church or to an event or something or, or whatever. I don't know. But just a word, a tone, a small act can change everything. But we are completely oblivious when it's all about our agenda. The second thing, when we move past that step, is from a practical perspective, where do my needs rank? You know, um, we, we order uh, takeout a lot, and, uh, and I'll, I'll go get it, right? She orders it, and I get it. That's the division of labor, all right? And, and my wife likes her food hot, and, and I take that as a personal challenge, right? Like, I'm going to get there, and I'm going to get home as fast as I possibly can. Her food is going to be hot. I walk in to get the food, and the lady behind the counter, you know, she's, she's crying. You can tell, she, you know, there's an issue. What am I going to do right there, right? I mean, you know, there's a part of me that says, well, I paid for this. There's a part of me that says, this is not my problem, you know? Like, I'm not this lady's pastor. I know that might not be a thought that you have, but sometimes the fleshly part of me will say, I'm not this lady's pastor. She, I'll probably bother her if I try to say anything to her because I can justify anything. But in that situation, where do my needs rank? I got to get my food. I paid for the food. I want to get home. I want to make my wife happy. Uh, I want to get out of there. Like, where, where, in this situation, what, what's the priority? I'm on my way to yell at my kid. And the Holy Spirit says, wait and listen. I don't want to wait and listen. I want to yell at my kid. I'm mad. This is a thousandth time, Holy Spirit. <laughs> I, 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 listen, I, I, where, where do my needs rank in, in these situations where I'm walking into? I'm in the garage, and I just cut off two fingers, and she says she's thirsty. Guess what? I win this one. I win this one, right? Like, hey, my needs are on top here. But am I evaluating those needs when I walk into those situations? Am I evaluating those needs? How, what's that look like? The third thing is how can I serve in this situation? How can I serve in this situation? Jesus said this, Matthew chapter 20, verses 26 through 28. The disciples are arguing about who's going to be the best of you know, the disciples. And Jesus said, it's not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first must be your slave. Just as, amen, just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. How can I serve in this situation? Wait a minute. Like, this is completely different. Like, I thought I was just going to pray a prayer and come to church on Sunday. This is like a whole different lifestyle. This is a whole different way of being. You're telling me that every situation I walk into, every conversation I have, I come in and I'm supposed to have gratitude first, think about all the positive things, and then I'm supposed to run through these steps. Is anyone here that doesn't know Jesus from a practical perspective? Where do my needs uh, register? How can I serve in this situation? But I'm never going to get anything done. Like, I've got things to do, and, and I'm, I'm going to try and move through life. And you've got me just basically just thinking about all these things. Well, let me tell you this. There was a time in your life when walking seemed impossible. And, and what happened? 
You know, you grew and you exercised those muscles. And now, we, you know, I don't, we watch live sports, so there's still commercial breaks, right? Because, you know, you fast forward through all the others. But if there's a commercial, what do I do? I jump out of the chair and I run to get my snacks and I run back and I don't stop and think about walking. Like, oh, am I going to hold on, you know, or whatever. Uh, I don't think about it anymore. You know, there was a time in your life when driving seemed impossible, you got behind the wheel and you thought, man, this is so much to keep track of. Like, like this, this pedal on the right, this pedal on the left. Uh, Lord forbid it's a manual, uh, right? I've got to keep track of all of the uh, other drivers and all of these things. And now what do you do? Now you just jump in the car, right? You're, you're flipping through Spotify, uh, right? You're trying to, you know, whatever. I mean, Officer Luke, I'm not doing anything on my phone. <laughs> you're doing all these things. You're driving. You don't even think about it, right? You're just going. This is what Christian maturity looks like. I get to the place where I'm not even thinking about it anymore, but instead I'm walking in and I'm seeing all the blessings and all the positive things, and I'm humbly evaluating. Is there anybody here that doesn't know Christ? Where do my needs fit into all of this? How can I serve in this situation? And that becomes second nature. That's what Christian maturity looks like. And that's why these muscles have to grow. Because if, at first it's overwhelming. At first it's something I've got to remember. At first it's not me. It's not who I am. But when I become like Jesus, I become grateful. I become humble in these practical ways. And, you know, there's so many of these things. And, I, and I've, I've stared at this, you know, for a while now. I've been thinking about this sermon because I, it's a challenge. Because I, I, there's so much pride in my life. You know, and you guys get 30 minutes here and then you run out to lunch and maybe never think about it again. Don't tell me if that's the case. But I've been wrestling with this for a while and I'm, I'm, there's pride in my life. And, and I'm looking at it and I've just been thinking about it. And I thought, you know, what, is, what does it boil down to for, for humility? And in humility, I see it boiling down to really two things. And the first one is gratitude, right? These walk hand in hand throughout Scripture and, and through practical experience. You see gratitude and humility walk hand in hand. And the second one of those things is listening. A humble heart, a humble person is, is a listening person. Not just listening to talk. You, 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 we all know those people, right? They they're, can't wait. They're just waiting. But listening to hear. Listening to understand. Listening because they care about somebody else. And, and it's Listening. And, you know, one of the, the challenges of this crossroad of pride and humility is listening. Listening to others, but also listening to God. And I want to make a jump for us from just day-to-day -day life to where pride can take us. Because pride, pride can take us to some dangerous places. And, you know, I, I've been around a, a little while. It's interesting to be able to say that. Um, and I've watched Christians justify every single thing that they wanted to do regardless of whether the scripture point blank says not to do it. And that's pride. I mean, that's pride that says I can justify, even though the scripture says absolutely do not do this, that I can do it anyway. And that's pride. And that daily pride takes us to another level of pride where I can look at the scriptures. And, you know, uh, Ephesians 4.29, it says, don't let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth. And, and you know, what, what do you hear? Well, I, I'm in the military. Well, I, I work in construction. Well, I'm around athletes. And, I mean, just everybody cusses, right? And it's not a big deal. I mean, a word is a word, right? And it doesn't matter. And there's that justification uh, there. 
I, I know, you know, hit this a little bit uh, for time, you know, but just this topic of, of sex outside of marriage. And, and I mean, just the, 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 the justifications. It's like, yeah, but, you know, that's an antiquated way of thinking. Or I really love this person and we're going to get married. And it doesn't matter even that the word of God point blank says something. Yet we, can, we justify it because we want to. We justify it because we contextualize it however we want to. That is pride. Pride follows us from day to day, putting my own needs above everybody else, all the way into these serious life choices so that I can justify anything. You, you want to get a divorce? And, and it's like, well, and, and please don't hear me just, just talking in black and white here. I, I understand that there are some things that we need to talk about, but I've never seen a Christian person who really wanted to get a divorce and not justify it somehow. I've not, I've seen people justify lying. I've seen people justify gossip. It's a prayer request. I've seen people justify homosexuality. I've seen people justify every manner of sin. It doesn't even matter what the word of God says when pride gets involved. And pride says, you know what? This is what I want. You see, there is a manner of thinking in pride. It's not just the absence of humility, but there's a manner of thinking. Pride patterns. And pride, you know, we... When we're proud, everything offends us. We, we take everything personally because our needs are at the top of everything. Our needs are the center of the universe. And so when I walk around easily offended, I recognize, you know what, this is pride. This is saying, hey, I'm, I'm in the center of the universe and nobody else is taking me seriously and I'm offended. When we're proud, we tend to think that our feelings are the most reasonable feelings. You see, we're blinded by pride. Because we think, well, this is how I feel. It makes sense that everybody should feel this way. It's not true. But I'm blinded when I, when I, by, thinking that, that by prideful thinking and thinking that my feelings are the most reasonable feelings. I tend to think that our desires are the most important. You know, why doesn't everybody want to eat where I want to eat? Why doesn't everybody want to listen to the music I want to listen to? Why doesn't everybody want to spend their free time how I want to spend my free time? Don't they know I'm the center of the universe? We always think other people need to apologize. I mean, I don't know how to say it, but I mean, if you're just walking around and in your mind you've got this running dialogue and thinking that they really owe me an apology, that's, that's probably pride. It's probably pride. They tend to, def prideful people tend to deflect correction to other people. You know, I can read a, a Bible verse and, and think, you know what, Michelle really needs this Bible verse. I can listen to a sermon, and I can think, man, I wish Ben was here today. He really needs this sermon. And no correction ever lands in my heart. You know, we tend to take too much credit when we're prideful. I heard this statement this week, and it just blew me away. You're breathing borrowed air with borrowed lungs. And yet, I think I've done something. I haven't done anything. He's worthy. I'm breathing borrowed air with borrowed lungs. Am I willing to listen? Am I willing to humble myself? Am I willing to submit? You see, the prideful people tend to be negative and critical because all of these things add up. And we become really broken, really broken people. I want us to, to pray this morning that God would take our heart of stone and make it a heart of flesh. That's what he promised to do. And you know, if we don't address the prideful acts of humility in our day-to-day -day life, then we will eventually end up making much larger
prideful choices? How do I connect walking into a restaurant and putting my needs above anyone else's to making life-destroying decisions? And that is because I think my ways are the best ways. And I think I'm the center of the universe. When I recognize God's at the center, I begin to listen. And I begin to humble myself. And I begin to follow after him. Can we pray together this morning? God, this is a challenging word for us. Lord, our, our, our flesh, God, desires that we would be at the center. That our feelings, God, would be the center of everything. That our desires would be met. That our agenda would be the most important thing. But Lord, help us to recognize. Help us to recognize, God, that you, Lord, are the center. Help us to recognize, God, that when we serve and when we care for others and listen to others, God, that it actually leads to the best life, stronger relationships, God, and ultimate fulfillment. God, and even if, it, even if we don't see it in this life, we'll see it in the next. But God, this is hard for us. Lord, these are muscles that we are not used to using. And Lord, so as we walk into these situations, God, it's hard to be grateful when I see things that are wrong. It's hard to be humble when, God, I feel like I need this so much in this moment. But Lord, we need your wisdom and we need your grace that you would teach us and train us and lead us, Father, into a place, God, where we can walk into situations and immediately be grateful and immediately have this humble spirit, God, without even thinking about it. But Lord, we need you to lead us on that path and to strengthen us along the way. God, we're thankful that your spirit is willing to walk with us. We pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Let's stand together this morning. As our prayer team comes, if you have a, a need and want to pray with somebody, they're going to be here. Even as everyone makes their way out this morning, you can make your way forward and pray with them. We do that intentionally so you don't feel singled out. But if you've got something big coming up this week, maybe you have a loved one that needs a touch of the Lord, they would love to agree with you in prayer this morning. And I want to encourage you, grab your thank you note on the way out, but can we be like Jesus this week? I mean, come on, it's Thanksgiving season. You're going to have reminders everywhere. There's cornucopias and turkeys and all that stuff. Can it point us to saying, this is the heart I need. This is who I need to be. God, I pray your blessing on your people as they go from this place. Would you give them a peace that passes understanding, a peace that is so strong in their lives that other people take notice and they come and they say, what's different about you? And our answer will be, it's Jesus. Can I tell you about Jesus? I thank you for this peace and I pray this blessing on your people now in Jesus' name. Amen and amen.